Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, Edith Bowman. Hi. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a great uh, festive season. First one of the year. Great to be back. And what a fantastic one to open with. Uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I've seen the film. Uh, and it's an incredible journey. It is funny, you'll be tapping your feet, you'll be singing along, a great storyline as well, and just a few questions in there that I think you'll come out asking yourself as well. There's a, there's a message in there. Um, but I'm gonna stop whittling on because it's about the people that are here tonight that I know you guys have got questions for, and as I always say, please don't leave it till the end when I go, last question, and everyone puts their hand up. Get your questions in at the start, because uh, these men have got a lot of things to talk about, and I'm sure you have a lot of questions you want to ask them. Before we welcome them out, uh, let's take a look at the reason we're here. I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. You wish to have the curse reversed? Go to the wood and bring me back a cow as white as milk. These beans carry magic. The cape as red as blood. Oh dear, how uneasy I feel. The hair as yellow as corn. The slipper as pure as gold. Go to the wood! And what might be in your basket? I must find that girl. <laughs> all will come to a happy end. Not always. Princes and castles. Why would you run away? It's not quite what I expected. Maybe I shouldn't have strayed from the path. You wish. We have one chance. Don't you see that? If we're gonna get through this, we're gonna do it together. If you love me, why did you stray? I was raised to be charming, not sincere. I just want to watch it again. Um, please give a huge round of applause for the director, Rob Marshall, and James Corden. <laughs> Welcome, gents. How are you? You too. Um, hey. I've got to say, congratulations. Uh, you know, it's, it's been out in the States. Biggest opening for a musical in history. Uh, you've got to be happy with that. That's crazy. <laughs> I had, we didn't expect that. I don't know why. Uh, it's a Sondheim musical, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, not, 
um, the big mega musical that some musicals are, you know, like Les Mis or, or even Mamma Mia kind of thing, you know. So just to have that opening was thrilling. And it's, it's because it stars James Corden is why. <laughs> yeah, that's a big draw to American audiences. Yeah, it really is. They really come out for me. <laughs> there is so much about this film. There's the music, there's the story, there's the cast, there's the connection, there's the chemistry. Uh, there's so much here. But for you, Rob, this is something that's been... Um, a kind of a long time coming, something you've wanted to be involved in for a while. Um, how did it eventually come round to happening now? Well, gosh, you know, I, I remember when I finished Pirates of the Caribbean, John DeLuca, who produces with me, and, and Mark Platt as well, um, John said to me, we talked about what's next, you know, and he said, well, what do you love? He said, what do you love? And, uh, and I love Into the Woods. I've always loved Into the Woods. I thought it is such a, a beautiful piece, so joyful, so funny, um, so clever and smart and profound. I think it's an incredibly profound piece that I think everybody can see uh, from a different place. I mean, even kids see it, take it from their level, and adults can see it from a different place. And I think all, all of that in one piece was sort of amazing. So I called, you know, I called James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim and said, I'd love to do this. And they said, you know, We'd love you to do it, but we'd love you to get it made because it, it, I think they tried to make it a mm. few times in the 90s and it never had happened. So why do you think, Nigel, do you think, I think it, for me, I think it's a combination of all these things. It's these people that you've got involved in it. And I know, James, you were involved early on, even at the table reading when you were trying to sell it to people as well. And Rob, you showed a real kind of confidence to James as well in terms of saying to him, you know, if we get this made, you're, you're going to be this character which for you must have been a great thing to take forward into that role, James. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, and I, 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 can't, I mean, c just on your first point about why did it not get made earlier and, and has been made now is, I, I, honestly, and I would say it, it would be easier to say it if he wasn't here, <laughs> but the, um, the truth is the only difference between then and now is this man here. There is... I honestly don't know, I, I genuinely don't, and there are, and we're talking about a world full of the most gifted directors ever, I don't know if if anyone else could have made this film. I don't know if there is a more skilled, not just filmmaker, but storyteller to understand the nuances of it as a musical. Because when the show is on and was on in Broadway and plays all over the world, it's a, it's about three hours and five minutes, I think, and Rob was painfully aware that that was too long for the for a film to be but to cut it to two hours and not lose a beat of story or a moment of heart or a moment of emotion in it to the point where even you know you've got people from like the Stephen Sondheim society going I don't really remember what you've cut is <laughs> is so deft to be able to do it that, that that is genuinely the thing it would not exist and it could not exist without him it's as simple as that. The cast, we could all, there are other actors could do it, you know, just as well. There are other DOPs, there are all of those things. But without the vision of a filmmaker who understands musicals and understands audiences and understands that three hours is, is too long and that these are the cuts that are needed, it just wouldn't exist. And understanding as well of taking something from the theatre onto the big screen. That's 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 a, a technique that not a lot of people can do and do well, and something you you've managed to achieve so brilliantly. Well, bef James, that's so unbelievably generous and kind. And let me just say, 
not to con completely trade compliments, but let me just say one thing. I don't think this could have been made without with anyone else playing the baker. Because the range of what James shows in this film is extraordinary, and I don't know anyone else who can do that, and that's why I knew that James was, was going to play this role. Because Justin Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> if he gained a little weight, he'd not, be, not in he'd a be perfect. He'd Justin be perfect. Bieber doesn't do waistcoats. He'd be that perfect. Would never <laughs> be perfect. Let me just say the, tru <laughs> the truth. See, I loved having him with me every day. Can you imagine what a joy that was for me? But, um, I mean, if just look at the performance and see the range and the skill, I mean, of course the humor and of course the physical humor, which we know, but to see the depth of emotion and the vulnerability and the strength that he gains in this piece and the arc of his character and the magnificent singing voice, to see him play that and play the everyman and let us take the journey with him is really hard. And James does it brilliantly. And I am so lucky to have him in as, as the center of this film. Shall we see a couple of clips then to prove that? Yeah. Yes, let's do it. Uh, the first clip we're going to see is, uh, well, it's a really nice little insight into the brilliant chemistry between you and Emily Blunt on, on, on screen as well. Uh, and then we have someone else who arrives uh, mid-scene as well. Have a look at this. You've got the cape. What have you done with the cow? She ran away. What? Never even reached home. I've been looking for her all night. How could you? Well, she might just as easily have run away from you. Yeah, but she did. Yeah, but she might have but done. She didn't. But she might but have she done. But she didn't. Cares. Cow's gone. Get it back. Get it back. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were just about to, to do that, but here. In the meantime, get away from me with that, you fool! I can't touch it. Remember. By midnight tomorrow, bring me the items, or that child you wish for will never see the light of day! <laughs> Don't like that one. <laughs> I want to ask about, about shooting, because from watching it, you kind of, you feel like you're in that wood with them. You're kind of in that, on that journey that they take. What, what was the reality of that in terms of where you shot? Did you, you shoot on location? Did you shoot in studio? Was it a combination? How, how, how did it work? Well, that's actually the best example. We were just talking about this um, in, in the room back there. That uh, That's the best example of, of the two worlds that we shot in, actually, because you wouldn't even see it. I can't even really see which bits were which, but uh, we shot some of it out in real woods in like Great Windsor Park and Richmond and things, and then... Um, and then parts of it were on this huge soundstage that Rob got built, which genuinely is probably four times the size of this store, I would imagine. You, you couldn't see the back wall. It was just like two football pitches of just woods. But what was amazing was it would, you would go up things and down bits and round corners and, and with real trees uh, in there. And so we would, we would shoot on both. But parts of that scene are shot on the stage and parts of that scene are shot in the woods. And it's a credit to the design team really that you can't I mean I don't I don't remember which bits are which but I know that they are bits in there <laughs> and we got another clip as well which is is, is another a great little scene with, with you and Emily we're going to watch right now beans oh no we mustn't give up our beans well if you feel that we must beans in exchange for my cow oh no son these are no ordinary beans these beans they carry magic magic what kind of magic tell him it's uh, 
It's it's a magic that defies description. Yes. How many beans? Six. Uh, five. Five. They're worth a pound each, at least. <laughs> Could I buy my cow back someday? Well. Yes. Possibly. So, yeah, this seems like we've made a fair trade. Okay, here you go. Here's one, two, three, four, five. All right, well, good luck and uh, pleasure doing business with you. I want to ask Just about... Just lying to a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, rehearsal for this, um, because did you... The vocals, they s seamless, seem like they're, they're done live. It's all sung live as you're doing it. Was that, again, the reality, or, or did you go into... Was there, were the vocals all done beforehand in a, in a recording studio and things? And um, then? A combination. I mean, we, we did record everything up front, but then when we got to the stage to shoot or outside, we made the decision what to shoot live, what not to. I mean, the key is, it's what James was just saying about the set, you should never know, it should all feel live. I mean, for sure, when they sang, they sang with themselves. Even yeah. if, you know, you always sing. So you're singing, whether we choose to use that recorded sound or not is up to us. And it all had to do with what felt, you know, you can do that in a scene where you're protected in a soundstage kind of thing. It's harder to do that on a waterfall, for instance, yeah. when you have water go, you know, but the, the key is it should all feel live and, and they're singing. I mean, the great thing about the rehearsal period that you mentioned was it's during that time that you actually create the piece. And we had no other choice because we, we had a very tight schedule and a tight budget, as you know. And so the only way to do it was to really be prepared. And when we would show up on the day, we knew what we were doing. It wasn't like, well, what are we going to do today? And let's start thinking about staging it. And everybody was so there. So you're already at that level. So then there was a freedom to the work, to watch James and Meryl, for instance, and Emily in that scene. There was a freedom to that work because we'd already explored it, you know? So that they could go to the next level on film. We don't have a clip of it, but there's a great scene that involves you and Emily as well, where you roll down a, a, a little hill. Yeah. And, uh, and I was lucky enough to speak to these two about the film prior, because one of the things that I loved about the film was I guess people would see them as imperfections, but for me it's just, it's, it's reactions and it's honesty and it's things, whether it be Emily laughing in the middle of a song, in between you know her singing a line, or, or the two of you laughing as you tumble down this hill and stuff. And that just makes the journey more real as you're in it with 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 the people watching sort of thing was did you kind of encourage that and i guess those are things that you discover along the way as well as you're filming oh, what a beautiful thing to say i mean for me that's the magic you wait for those kinds of things to happen you wait for those those moments that are impromptu that happen listen the end of that that you're talking about a number called it takes two that james and emily do so beautifully and at the end of it, there's, they slide down a hill together and kiss. And that's the choreography, and that's what we rehearsed, and that's what we shot. But on this particular take that you see in the film, they fall and don't, and kind of slide and fall on top of each other and are laughing and, and use that and then go into the kiss. And it's so in the moment. And that's what you're looking for. I mean, I don't like perfect films. I like imperfection. I like that, I like that you know, the that you hear laughing when you're singing, you feel character. I mean, that's the joy of it. It's also the joy of Stephen Sondheim because the, the greatest thing about all of his work, and I think particularly in this, there is, and I'm a huge musical theatre fan, you know, as is Rob, and, and I mean this with the greatest respect to musicals that I love, but there are lots of musicals where you could essentially take out 
a song from one show and quite easily put it into another and it wouldn't feel out of place. And I think the greatest thing about Stephen Sondheim's work is that's just never the case. And there is never a song for a song's sake. And the songs always drive the story and they always come from a place of character. So it never really feels like you're doing a song. It feels like you're just doing a scene. So those moments that are captured, those moments like you say of Emily laughing, us falling into these moments, they're, they're coming com completely organically from the moment because you're never thinking, oh, I have to hit this mark on that thing. It's all coming from a place of truth that's driving a story forward. And um, so when you match that together with a great DOP, with a great director, it all just seems to, it all feels natural, whatever it is you're feeling, you know? But it's this cast. I mean, I have to say, you, you can't put that into anyone's hands. These, this cast was so brilliant, so funny. I mean, can you imagine how funny this cast was? Um, and they brought that to life, and I loved every moment of that, and I wanted to feel that. And I, th and I think you see that in the film. I think you feel that it's a company, very much so. It certainly felt like that. I've never, I don't think I've ever done anything I don't think I've ever done anything where I've been so aware of how special it is, the very thing I'm experiencing at that time. Normally, you only really enjoy things retrospectively. You look back and go, oh, I was having a great time then. But, but this, um, this, it was clear every day where you thought, well, this is just a thing I have to cherish, you know? Yeah. The, um, the, you mentioned, I think, at the start, the waterfall scene with the two print. I mean, to see Chris Pine in this role as well is, I mean, it's just... Hilarious. He's, He's incredible. Just He's a little too funny oh for my liking. <laughs> like, like you can't be that good looking. Like it's different. If you're me, right? If you're me on this film and you're in a film with Chris Pine, Billy Magnuson, who is gorgeous, and Johnny Depp, you're like, okay, well at least I can be funny. <laughs> and then and then Chris Pine rocks up with this hilarious performance. You're like, I'm sorry, and he's a great guy. It's just <laughs> unacceptable to be that beautiful, <laughs> to be that beautiful, that funny, and that nice a guy. It's like it's it's enough to make you really hope he doesn't have a terrible accident. <laughs> Down a waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did they not slip? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, I have this image of you at Air Studios with this orchestra recording these vocals and stuff was that a special moment being there and because I, I know you love to sing um well singing and dance <laughs> is my life you know this um i i feel like i might have because i've never really been in a studio like that before i sort of think i might have been taking it for granted until you're there with stephen sondheim and he's going i can't believe i'm hearing this music like this like the orchestra was too big for the live room it was so they had to put all the percussion in the basement with like Skype computers <laughs> because it was too big. So the sound is so lush and they were great days, weren't they? Just Jonathan Tunick doing the orchestrations and just sitting, you know, and like, you know, Stephen Sondheim's there. So you immediately sort of shit yourself and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all right because <laughs> the days are so long and it, you go into the night and it's ah, it's a wonderful thing to be part of. But the beautiful thing was this cast was aware of that, I think. You know, no one took it for granted. We know and knew how few and far between musicals are made for film anyway. And then a Stephen Sondheim musical is so rare and it's a really a gift for actors. And 
I think everybody was aware the entire time we were shooting that we were part of this very special thing. And um, th that never left, and it still hasn't left. Mm. I mean, I, I feel that even when we're together, like we're together for the premiere tomorrow in, here in London, we love seeing each other. It's a very special group and, um, and you know, rare. I said to these two before that it has to be performed live at the Royal Albert Hall with everyone and with a live Anywhere. I would do I or mean, anywhere. Just go on tour with it. It's just amazing. It's yeah. brilliant. Right, enough of me going on about it. Well, let's get some questions from this lovely audience that we have. So, as I said, don't leave it till the end uh, when I say last question and everyone puts their hands up. Let's go to these two lovely people first. Lady with the glasses first. Um, my question's for both of you, really. Um, myself and my friend here, we both study film and... I know my friend's particularly interested in writing and I want to be a director or producer and I was wondering what both of your advice would be to aspiring people in those trades. Um, uh, well, uh, mine would be don't give up, right? And I'll tell you why, because I'm going to read you something now that I, I got sent the other day and I am... Um, hang on, Keep I just have clean, to find James. it. No, Keep no, no, it's clean. clean, it's clean, it's very clean. <laughs> so this is a... Uh, I'm going to read you this. So this is a letter from the comedy script editor of Light Entertainment uh, at a television network. R subject, Faulty Towers by John Cleese and Connie Booth. I'm afraid I thought this one as dire as its title. It's a kind of Prince of Denmark of the hotel world, a collection of cliches and stock characters which I can't see being anything but a disaster. And then it's signed by the guy, and that was a rejection that John Cleese got for Faulty Towers, which is genuinely the greatest sitcom that's ever been made. So I guess the only advice I've got for you is don't give up. Because if you never give up, you can't really fail. So just don't stop, and it will be really hard. And there's screw-ups coming your way. There's nothing you can do about it. They're coming for you. <laughs> but just keep going and know that the people that do, do, and the people that don't, don't, you know? Perfect answer. There we go, okay. Did you have another question? Or was she asking that for both? There we go, he's got another one, okay. Um, obviously the History Boys went from stage to screen. Would you ever think about making One Man, Two Governors as a film? I don't think it would work, actually. I've, I think, I think it, um, it relies so much on uh, an interactivity with the audience is the thing that makes that play so unique. And I think if you take that out, um, it, it just, I, I can't see that it could ever work as a film. It, it's so much of it is about breaking that fourth wall and doing this to an audience and feeling like you're all in it together and this is only happening now. The things that are going wrong have never happened before and you not quite knowing what's unique to tonight or happened that afternoon, and, uh, and for that reason, I don't think it, it ever could. Um, yeah, I, d I don't, I think it would probably, if that guy's email had replied to that, <laughs> he would have been bang on, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, lady down the front, I'll come to you in a sec. Actually, do you want to give the microphone to this lady here and then we'll pass it along to the middle? Thank you. Um, my question is basically, I've seen the Broadway musical several, several times, and it's one of my most favorites. What was it like taking those characters who all experience very sticky kind of, very adult kind of endings and very realistic endings and trying to make it more, I guess, family friendly in the movie? Well, it's interesting. We never, we didn't really do that. I mean, I, I th uh, you know, that's a temptation 
to do that, but we didn't. We were very aware of the fact that we needed to do Into the Woods as a film that would make that would work for us, and that's that's what we focused on. That's why I brought James Lapine, who wrote the original, to write the screenplay, and Stephen Sondheim worked with us the entire time, because we wanted to make sure we re reimagined it as a film, but of course kept the central core of what the piece is, and um, very important. I mean, I think the biggest change I would say, um, a few of the biggest changes were casting real children as Little Red and Jack, and I think that was important. I think it's important because I believe the piece is about parents and children. And so to have a 35-year-old Little Red Riding Hood would not have really worked. <laughs> and then, you know, and then of course, the two-act structure on stage, which is up to Happily Ever After and then later, Happily Ever After later, does it work on film? Um, so you have to figure out a way to collapse that and condense that and make that work as a piece. But it felt incredibly comforting um, and reassuring to have James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim creating it with me, and 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 that was that was really the goal. Um, in fact, many times I found myself being the person that was saying, "Don't touch that," you know. I mean, the yeah. you know that was that happened a lot because they said, "Well, we wrote it before; we'll write it again." And I said, "No, no, no, that works. Anything that worked, we held on to and kept." What was their reaction when they saw it, the, fi the finished film for the first time? Oh my gosh, they they said. Um, they said, thank you. That's what they said right away. They said, thank you. I think because they were, you know, it takes a lot to be able to see something new, but because they were part of the process as well, I think they were just thrilled that it was working as a movie as opposed to, you know, because sometimes stage productions don't work on film, but the key element is to reimagine them. I mean, you, yes, you hold on to what works, and, but, the and, but the stage piece will live forever. But you have to, you, you, I think you do the stage play a disservice if you don't reimagine it as a film. Yeah. You, you know, because it's a different medium. Okay, can you pass the microphone along to the lady here? Thank you. She's excited to ask a question, I can Thank tell. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted the microphone. Um, <laughs> I actually have a question for each of you, if that's all right. Of course it is. Um, Mr. Marshall, I was wondering what um, level of involvement you like to have in the casting process and if there's something specific you look for in an actor. And Mr. Corden, um, They've kind of covered other aspects of film, but I'm a young actor, so I was wondering what advice you have for kind of climbing up the ladder of success and how you've gotten to such a successful time in your career. Um, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's as much a mystery to me as it is to any of you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'd, I mean... I guess I just I never really I never really envisaged uh, a, a a path down any other road than the than the one I've gone down. However many bumps you might hit along the way, I just you know I used to used to have this thing. I don't know if it were, that you grew up in America, right? Where where you would have like careers advice meetings with someone at your school, and you I would say, well, I'm going to be an actor, and they'd go, well you need to find something to fall back on. And I'd go, well, no, because <laughs> that would have an element of doubt, really. Mm -hmm. And that's it, really. I, I, I mean, and I sort of hit a, I hit a block in my career where I was not, um, when I was in the History Boys, actually, I would come into work, it was the, the hottest play in London, and I'd come into work and all the boys would have 
endless film scripts under their arm, like Dominic Cooper, you know, so beautiful, would have just like, oh, I don't know whether to do this or that. And I would get like the, the scene, I would get the two pages of the script to, to play the guy who drops off a TV to Hugh Grant <laughs> in a movie or, um, or is like the news agent in something. And I always thought that I would perhaps get a chance. It felt like uh, it felt like an industry was saying, "Oh no, no, we think you're good, but you know, every now and then you'll play like a bubbly barrister in Judge John Deed, you know." <laughs> um, and so I, I sort of thought, well, if those things aren't going to come, I'm just going to have to write a TV show for myself. And me and Ruth Jones, who was feeling quite in a similar place to me, so we just wrote a show that just happened to click into this thing which no one could it became something so much greater than anyone could have ever thought it would and and then it's sustaining it it's sustaining it is the thing but but i mean my only advice would be like acting's the reward that's it acting is the reward it's not money it's not fame it's not any of the trappings that that, that look like they come with it it's just the actual doing of it if you can act or and perform and eat and have a roof over your head, then you are already in the luckiest 2% of the planet. Like, acting's the thing. Don't ever think past that. Don't think, oh, but I want to be a, a huge movie star. I wanted to think, are you acting? Are you getting to do it? Because so many people dream of it and still don't every day. And that's it, I think. That's, that's so true. And just the, and, and, the, and the quick casting question, just real quick. I just want to say that, yes, of course, I'm involved in every single... Uh, it's so important. I mean, it's the, it's the film. There's nothing he's not involved in. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't grind the lenses for the film himself. But, I mean, the great joy for me, and this is my hope always is, is that, is that I don't actually have to do any work when it comes to casting because the person that comes in claims the role and says, this is mine. That's what happened with James. James says, this is my role. Emily Blunt, Chris Pine, all these people said... Anna Kendrick said, this is my role, and, 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 and brought it to a place I never imagined it could be. There was not even a question that anybody else would play this role but James Corden. How did you manage to convince Meryl, though, to step out of the no witch rule? That's what I want to know. Because that was the thing she had. She was I like didn't know she had that rule when I asked <laughs> her to do this. That would have been harder. Um, she said yes so quickly. She said yes so quickly. I think she was thrilled to do a Stephen Sondheim musical. That was something she wanted to do. And when you see that combination of that amazing talent with this extraordinary material, it's like nothing else. I mean, it's sort of extraordinary to watch. Okay, next question. Can you pass the microphone back to that gentleman there? Um, this is for James. Would you be able to sing us a quick verse <laughs> from one of the songs in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel pressurized, um, James. What do I say? I say... Uh, Wait a minute, magic beans for a cow so old that you have to tell a lie to sell it, which you sold. Were they worthless? Beans were they oversold? I want to tell us who persuaded you to steal that gold. Yes, it's your fault. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next question. We haven't got much time. Anyone else with questions over there? Oh, we have two over here. Can we get the microphone quickly back over here? Well you just done. don't ever forget it, though, do you? It's the weirdest thing. It takes a lifetime to learn. I'll know that when I'm dead. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Ten minutes before I die, I'll be able to recite that. It's because he writes like no other. There's the, the melodies. The, it's the, hard it's, to learn, and once it's in, it never goes. Okay. Sir, what's your question? Hi. Um, James, you mentioned at the beginning where you're saying that all of the songs are necessary for the driving of the narrative. And my question is really looking at the translation into cinema. 
how those um, how those songs play a special role when the whole film is on a magical terrain. So normally you could kind of say that the song in a in a in a cinematic um, musical allows the characters to resolve the problem that couldn't be resolved um, in dialogue. But if you're kind of if you've got the whole terrain as magical realism almost, how do you how do you make those songs special? Well, I think. Um, that's where Stephen Sondheim and James the Pine are so smart, is that what, yes, it is all set in a magical terrain, and yet at the heart of it are the, the most ordinary couple you could ever find, if you like, who become extraordinary through the journey they go on. So it's always rooted in a place of absolute realism, you know? Um, essentially, mine and Emily's character are just representing the audience. We are their representatives in these woods. So as soon as you can put a sense of normality in it, I think it's very. It, I think it's it, it becomes a lot easier to tell a musical tale. Um, Frozen is a good example of that, actually, where there's this very, very uh, magical presence who has this thing bestowed upon her where she can turn things to ice or whatever. But her sister is very, very ordinary. Going, do you want to build a snowman? So, and it, it's, tho it's those eyes and ears that allow you to take those curves, I think. Do you think, Rob? 100%. Right? I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, the truth is, um, these ca could be played as two-dimensional characters because they don't even have names. <laughs> the baker and his wife, you know, that's, the, that's it. Um, and the prince and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, the only way to play this, I felt, and, and it's something that we worked very hard on was to make sure that they were played like real people because you're asked to follow their stories and care about them especially as it gets darker and it goes towards the end of the piece you're asked to really root for them and feel for them and care for them and the great thing about this cast is that they brought such dimensionality to it such depth to it such truth to it that you feel for them you really feel for the baker and his wife you feel for cinderella you feel for all these people because they're flawed and not perfect and they're real and i think the material is exactly what james said the material it's inherent in the material but it's also this cast who brings such truth to it thank you uh, and lady there the question hi james um i just wondered is it true that you're going to be moving to america and are you going to try and fit in any broadway shows while you're there what fit in to be in them? As in, are you going to be doing any or? Um, well, I can't for a bit, but um, yeah, I'll move to America tomorrow. I'll move tomorrow. Um, Isn't that exciting. And then I'll, but I'll be back to do stuff here. I have to, I have to do a show called A League of the Rome, which I'll shoot here. And I have to do this TV show for a little bit. And then, really, really, my dream after that is I've sort of set a time limit in my head of how long I'll do that show for. Um, and then, I mean, it will probably it will be cancelled before then. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Let's be clear. But then, um, then I, I, I've sort of set a, a rule in my head that I would want to do, if I was ever given the chance and the opportunity to do a play or a musical, like every 18 months, whether that's here or in New York. It's um, I love I love the theatre. I love a day that has a point and a purpose that moves to a, a thing. And I also think it's the thing that keeps you supple and fresh. So I hope it, uh, at some point, I hope so, so much, yes. Would you write something for the theatre for yourself? Um, I, I'm not for myself. I don't think I could write a, 
a, I, yeah, I, I've, I've been trying to write a play for about three years. It's, it's stuck in a permanent brick wall at the moment. But if I can get through that, um, just a, a very, very small play. But I've been trying to write it for quite a while. I, I, you know, just for myself, really, not to be in. But, you know, we'll see if I can ever get over the hellish hurdle <laughs> that it is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more questions from our audience? Two over there, and I think that's, is there another one? that's two there, and then yeah, there we go. James, congrats on the OBE. I just wondered. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, oh my gosh, how Quite thrilling! Someone changed James. the poster. Did <laughs> uh, what was your initial reaction when you got the news? Did you get news earlier before it was announced? Um, yeah, you get a letter about, I don't know, like a month ago. You get a letter saying, you've been put forward for this. Uh, if you were to be given it, would you accept it? Um, and your first thought is that there are so many people who are far more deserving of this than I. That's just a fact. But, and then I, I, I it says you shouldn't tell anyone, but I opened it with my wife, so I couldn't, <laughs> you know... I think that's all right, isn't it? Um, and I, I talked about it with her, and I, and I sort of thought, well, I'm from Holmer Green Upper School in High Wycombe, and I have two GCSEs above C, and I have one U, so uh, European studies. So um, <laughs> pointless, pointless. Um, and so I, and then you think, well. You can't help but think about what this will mean to my parents who have sacrificed so much growing up for me to be able to be sat here now with a director like this of driving me to singing lessons, drama lessons, all of these things, paying money that they didn't have, um, that you're not aware that your parents don't have when you're that age, you know? And, uh, and what it would mean for them to be given such a thing. And then I thought, yes, I have. Sh I should accept so this. Excited. Yeah. But it, my, but when I told my dad, he said, "You know what it stands for, right? It stands for other blokes' efforts." <laughs> so. <laughs> and he said, "An MBE stands for many blokes' efforts." So yeah. Amazing. And I think we got the last question from this lady here. Um, so apart from the Broadway musical, where did you get your inspiration to play the baker? And also, likewise, with the directing, where did you get your inspiration from to make the film? James, do you want to go first? Um, I, well, I mean, it's all there on the page, is the truth. It's, it's there on the page who he is. He, um, I think I was very pleased. A lot of, it's, a lot of his uh, sense of the core in the film is about fatherhood. Uh, his lack of a father in his life and his impending fatherhood in the film and whether he is capable of this task ahead. And I, I very much related to that and I was pleased that I was a father at the moment that that we shot the film because you can't really explain the indifference you have towards children I I until you've sort of had one you know or your friend's indifference it's like oh well done you've had a baby and you don't like and like it's it's uh, you know that there is a change that happens so I was very relieved to have had that and and you know I hate to keep coming back to it but you're just steered by your director like that's it you're you're steered by uh, to have a director who knows it so intrinsically, who says to you, 
I feel like it should be more here, perhaps. And you find it together, really. He's in a team with every single member of the cast individually. He has a relationship with every single person. And, and uh, that's all you're listening to, really, is that. I mean, I was, I guess, inspired mostly um, by the filmmakers that have inspired me over the years. And in terms of musicals, it's Vincent Minnelli and Stanley Donen and George Cukor and Bob Fosse and Robert Wise. And I, I, th those, those are the directors that I studied, learned from, loved watching. And, and you know, I believe in the musical as a, a, a film musical, as a genre. You know, I know when I did the film Chicago years ago, I, I was told many times this genre is dead and no one wants to come see it and no one cares about it anymore and all they really want to see is animated musicals and I never believed it because I grew up with those great musicals and, and I love them and felt that it's not about the genre itself, it's about the execution and the care and, the, you know, and how you do it and, and, I, and I hope that that was the case. Um, and so I was lucky enough with Chicago to sort of open the door a little for musicals and I think it's helped over the years and certainly helped us make this film. Have you got a favorite musical, apart from Into the Woods? Stage. Um, or film, no, favorite film, film musical. Well, my favorite mu film musical is Chicago, genuinely. I remember, I can, I remember, when I remember watching it. I, re I remember, I, I don't think there's a film musical I've seen more. And I remember how I felt when I watched it because it had been so long since I'd seen, in fact, I'd never seen a musical in the cinema. I'd only ever seen like Grease, you know, and stuff. And I remember watching it and just being like, oh my God, like that. <laughs> you know, Cicero. Um, <laughs> I, I really remember it. So like I, f I walked out of that cinema just feeling like the most empowered woman I've ever felt like. <laughs> I really did. Like I got in the car, like he had it coming. <laughs> he had like it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. It so really funny. is. Um, oh so God. that's my favorite film. My favorite stage musical. I have. Um, I love a musical. Got a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which is a Sondheim musical that I, I, I absolutely love. And she'll be starring in sometime soon. I hope so. And uh, and another show called a Ki uh, called Kiss of the Spider Woman, which is a Candor and Ebb musical, which Rob actually choreographed when it was on Broadway and here in London. And I, I don't know why I remember it so vividly, but when I saw it in the West End, I had like a phenomenal reaction to it. And uh, uh, it's, um, it's got some beautiful songs in it, is the truth. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, you guys can see this one from the 9th of, 9th of this month, 9th of January. Hang on, I, what's your favorite oh yeah, Rob, stage your musical? Oh, Rob, sorry. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, let me think. Uh, I guess my favorite film musical is like everyone else's, I believe, is Singing in the Rain, because I oh, think it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect, and it was created for film, which yeah. I think is interesting. You know, some of the great ones like Bandwagon and Gigi, and even Meet Me in St. Louis or Easter Parade. Those were all created for film, which I what think is. What was West Side Story? Was that created for film? That was, was a that was a play, play for a musical on okay. stage first, and then became yeah, then mm. became a film. And I guess on stage, it could be West Side Story or Gypsy. I think maybe for me, I think those are sort of masterpieces. Um. Congratulations so far, and I think with this as well, this film, it just feels like you've, 
I don't know, there's a whole new generation of people who are going to fall in love with, with musical theatre through film as well, through this, this, you know, and you say that people telling you that this, no one's going to watch this before when you were talking about Chicago and stuff like that. This has almost just reopened that door, I think, for people. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Congratulations. And you guys can see it from the 9th of January. Please, oh, huge exciting. round of applause. Thank for you James. very much. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thank so you. lovely. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.